Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. It is noon on a Tuesday. It is time for Wolfing Down Your Lunch. All of today's top sports stories in one place. Aaron Maloney is here with those stories. Aaron? So the Phoenix Suns are back at home tonight as they gear up to take on the Spurs at 7 o'clock. You can hear the action on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. So what is the one thing the team needs to improve upon before the playoffs? Here's Kevin Durant after the game on Sunday. The fouling. The fouling, I think we can't, we we could complain about the rest, but a lot of those were fouls. Um, So we can't reach down when we got guys in good position, good defense, and then offensive rebounding. We'll we'll get a good stop and, you know, they'll get an offensive rebound and they'll come out and hit a three or get a layup. So we got to eliminate that stuff if we want to be a championship team. And, uh, so, But we're conscious of it, and we just got to get better. What is the one thing you think the Suns need to improve on in order to win a championship this season? Just what KD said. Not what KD said. That's the easy way out. I know, but you know the way I There's feel no about easy this. way out. Okay, you know what? Honestly, this is defense. I, I'd love to see the Suns continue to get even better on the defensive end of the floor and their defensive efficiency rating. I would love to see them improve on that. To that end, specifically, that's what KD is talking about. He's talking about moving your feet and not reaching, not getting lazy, not fouling. He's talking about that very thing, in my opinion, right there. So I totally agree with him. Defense is where they need to get better. So really quickly, Luke, before you give your answer. Okay. Kevin Durant also spoke about how things are going defensively as a team. Yeah, that's the most important thing. If we all on one string on the defensive side of the ball, we're speaking up and playing with extreme effort, then we can make up for a lot of our mistakes. You can't play a perfect defensive game, but if you play with effort and energy, um, you can make up for some of those bad plays. He says... Enough with your point. <laughs> just shot Wolf point. Down. I'm just kidding. Look, uh, you're probably not wrong, and that's going to be more important. Not you being not wrong, but the defense than what I'm going to say here. <laughs> but a consistent production from the bench, just for the sake of not copying what you and KD ba- both basically just said. Consistent production off the bench. I still don't know who that's coming from. And I think that that's going to be the real spot where they're going to have to get where Monty Williams is going to have to be really good in these playoffs because some of these games, KD's going off and Booker's going off, and they're still only winning by a few points. And it's not like they've been playing Denver at full strength or Golden State at full strength in these games yet. So the bench guys are still going to have to contribute. That was really a good answer by you right Thank there. You. It's number two, but well, it was a good answer. At least it was my own answer. You should have done KD's. a Suns three-pointer. We, we, a Suns two-pointer? The D-backs fell to the Padres yesterday 5-4 on back-to-back home runs in the ninth. Here's Tori Lavello after the game. Yeah, I just feel like it was uh, the first batter. I thought the, the velo on the fastball was real good um, and just missed with a, with an up splitter. And then it looked like the same thing to um, to the final hitter. But, um, look, it's it's hard to hit a pinch hit home run in this game, right? And it happened. Um, and 
you know, I, I feel like we got to find a way to regroup that situation and, and make something good happen. But we got clipped. We got clipped for back-to-back home runs, and there's nothing we can do about it. we got to move on and get ready for tomorrow. That one hurt, guys. So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, should the D-backs use Dre Jameson as a closer? Your choices are yes, we would have won games like last night, or no, his potential as a starter is too valuable. All right, so this is where you have to answer this question carefully. I don't think you have to go to him yet. It was one blown save. Yeah. But you can't do this. Well, we're going to be really loyal to this guy. Not if you're a playoff contending team. If, if you want to approach the season like a playoff contending team, I would have Dre Jamison on notice. Because, like, if it happens again today or, you know, if things are fine for a week, but then it happens again, like, next Tuesday and the following Friday, I would have a contingency plan in place because it's not like the guy you have closing right now has a long track record of closing anyway. Yeah. You know, I'm not crazy about it. Early I'm not because I, I love Dre Jamison in the role that he's in right now. Long relief coming out of the pen. Of course, I think that that is more conducive to him actually moving into the rotation at some point in time when you need him. I want to keep him stretched out. So I like him right where he is. The last part of keeping him stretched out in case you need to bring him in for Madison Bumgarner or whoever. Great point. Counterpoint, what he's doing in middle relief doesn't matter if the closer comes in and gives up back-to-back home runs. It's one game. Okay. All right. 58% 58% say yes, we would have won games like last night. 42% say no, his potential as a starter is too valuable. Todd McShay released his latest mock draft as we're a little over three weeks away from the NFL draft. He has the Cardinals making a trade with the Colts to move back to number four in drafting Will Anderson, which is exactly what you wanted to see, Wolf. We got a winner. But then he has the Cardinals drafting Jameer Gibbs at number 34. Jameer Gibbs, running back, Alabama. Gibbs was all SEC last year in his lone season at Alabama in 2022. The 5'9", 199-pound running back ran for 926 yards and seven touchdowns and had 444 receiving yards and three touchdowns. He possesses great speed as he ran a 4.36 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine. He is light and quick on his feet, which allows for sudden lateral cuts, and his route running causes defenses problems if they are in man. He sometimes struggles with decisiveness when it comes to inside runs, and he could improve as a blocker. NFL comp, Saints running back, Alvin Kamara. What do you guys think about this scenario? Look, 6.1 yards per carry in college. Now it's college. But as you pointed out earlier, it's against SEC defenses most weeks. Um, do you ever get hate it. nervous about Alabama running backs, though? I do. Derrick Henry <laughs> made me feel a little bit better about that. But Trent Richardson? Yeah. Eddie Lacy, I think, was another one. Yes, there's quite a few of them. I, Gibbs, they didn't really run into the ground, though, so I'd, I'd be okay with him. Yeah, no, I'd love that. That'd be a great change-up to James Conner. You got James Conner, the big guy. You got him in rundown situations. Absolutely love that. Big change-up with Jameer Gibbs. I'd be okay with that. Second round, heck yeah. The question is, do you want to use your second round, your early second round pick on him? I'd certainly be okay with him on the team. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, do I want to give up that pick to get him? UConn topped off one of the most impressive March Madness runs in history last night to beat San Diego State 76-59 to win their fifth national title. Here's Danny Hurley after the game. It was an honor to uh, to play against San Diego State today, too. I got to tell you, uh, I think it was probably the most physical, you know, one of the toughest teams we played this year. Certainly one of the best. And I just got so much admiration and respect for how, how they play their culture uh, and their coach. Uh, 
No, he's, he's, he's one of the best coaches in the country. What was your reaction to the game last night? I tell you, uh, give San Diego State credit because they did play physical and that was their only chance. And they got it kind of close in the final few minutes and then UConn pulled away. Watching Danny Hurley react at the end, like in the final minute and a half, where it was clear they were going to win, but he's still a Hurley, so he would like celebrate, but then he'd yell at somebody yes. to get back on the floor, <laughs> and then he'd be celebrating and turn around and yell yeah. at somebody else. It was like the full range of Hurley emotions. Yeah, just absolutely watching this game, it was more of a football game. It felt that way to me than a basketball game, and UConn's defense was so in your face. And I know the Aztecs, they gave it everything they had. But when the referees let the boys play, I thought that really favored UConn because of their culture. All I could think of was Dan Hurley. And Dan Hurley talking about, hey, when we play harder than our opponent, we win. That, to me, that that reeked of UConn and everything their culture is about. It did. That The, the style of that game played right into UConn at some point, being like, if we just do what we do best, we're going to be the national That's champions. right. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron. As always, coming up next, we're going to get you ready for Game 2 of D-backs Padres with our D-backs on deck show. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. We're checking in on the Diamondbacks as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by Sonic Drive-In. Drive into your nearest Sonic location for the Super Sonic Double Stack Cheeseburger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. And by 72 Sold. 72 Sold. Get a higher price for your home. Well, the D-backs are right back at it here, in fact, in under an hour. We'll first pitch at 110 from Petco Park. We will start you off with the uh, the injury report. Today's injury report brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call, text, or chat 988 to access the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Uh, the injury report right now, it's early in the season, is mostly just Madison Bumgarner. Although, according to Tori Lovello, he said, quote, everything is fine, unquote, with uh, Mad Bum. And Mad Bum is slated to make his next start. Which is, again, against the L.A. Dodgers. Yeah. Boy, you know what that... Uh, it seems so doesn't feel ominous, fine. doesn't it? feels ominous to hear Tory actually say everything is fine with Madison Bumgarner. Especially since he was talking about red flags that were apparent to him after the start. And especially because Mad Bum, of course... Um, arm fatigue is what we heard after the game. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden everything is fine. That, why does it feel like this should be so positive that you're getting this news on Madison Bumgarner that everything is going to be okay? Yet, um, it certainly did not seem that way after his first start. So Bumgarner, assuming he's able to make his next start, it's currently slated for Friday at home against the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw. And if he stays on track, his next start after that's against Milwaukee and Brandon Woodruff. That's not an easy pitching matchup. So, um, look, if you're a pitcher trying to pitch your way out of a, a rough beginning to your season, you probably don't really care how good the opposing pitcher is. You sure. care how good the opposing lineup is. Although I just sat here with you yesterday and watched Milwaukee put 10 runs up on the Mets in like the first six innings. So maybe that one's not great either. But either way, sounds like Madison Bumgarner is fine. Yeah, you know, and again, I said it at the time, but um, I mean this, Mason Orleans. The fact that a guy as accomplished as Mad Bum is, 
would go out there in his very first start after coming off rough seasons, of course, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, his very first start. He would go out there and give up a crooked number like a five spot and then shut it down in the second, third, and fourth inning. I realize, again, you know, that's not great. But it showed me he did not quit. He continued to compete. And I would guess that's what the Diamondbacks are hoping for, that he's going to continue to compete and try to get better going forward. Well, it's, I mean, that is his high-level experience in Major League Baseball probably kicking in right there, right? And the guy's won three World Series, and he was a huge, huge part of two of them. And he really was, I mean, that one year he basically dragged the Giants through to the World Series. Um Speaking of pitching, the pitching matchup today is a good one. Zach Gallen, and this is big. How does he bounce back now after a rough first start? He doesn't really have a lot of rough starts. Uh, you could look statistically, that game against the Dodgers was one of his like two or three bad starts he's had since he's a Diamondback. Going up against you, Although Darvish. he did have a uh, kind of a rough spring. Well, yeah, say. that's what, yeah. No, you're he right. Did. That's he, why this is kind of a big you know, game. But nobody really, you know, who's going to, oh my God, is Zach Allen's having a rough spring? Who's going to lose their mind about that? Nobody. Say nobody, because that's the truth. But here's the caveat but, to that you got all these new rules. So if you have a bad spring and then you have three or four bad starts, uh, I'm not worried about Zach Allen at all. Right. But. Just around Everybody the league. Everybody remain calm. Also, I just realized now by letting Zach Allen go, we can't ever do our Zach Gallon and Zach Allen back-to-back interviews. I know. <sighs> yeah, that kind of stinks. I guess right we could, there. but you have to does. call in from Denver. But um, it, it really is a great, it's a great point by you that now suddenly you changed the pitch clock. And what does that change? It, it changes everything. the Routine. approach for a pitcher. And how you're thinking as well. Zach I just Gallen is a thinking man's pitcher. There's too. no doubt. You have to wonder how much of this is playing into his performance in his first start. I'm not worried at all about Zach Gallen, but I think it's important to see how he bounces back today or in his next start. The other part of that pitching matchup, you Darvish, I heard Vince bring this up when I was driving in. You Darvish was pitching for Team Japan in the World Baseball Classic. I'm not even sure how much experience he has with the pitching clock yet. Now, you no. didn't have a spring to kind of get used to it. Oh, what do I do if I if I get you know a little bit off and I have to walk off the mound and breathe for a second or take a few moments? I don't know if he's done that. And so yeah. he might be learning on the fly today at Petco Park. Cannot wait to see that. <laughs> Good. See if you Darvish looks a little rough. Uh, all right, let's get to the keys to the game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. D-backs, keys to the game. Driven by trucks only, the Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. All right, I have but one key to the game, Wolf. Damn. If you're leading in the ninth inning, don't let the other team hit back-to-back home runs. How's that for a key to the game? Yeah, you know, um, okay, that's a good one right there. Um, of course, you're alluding to the closer and closing yes. out a game, of course. I would say this right here. Score runs. Yeah. Score more runs. That would be my second key. As well. You're you know what I think? Going to win every two game or three to two. two. One, right? <laughs> Whatever you want to do right there. I think the Diamondbacks need to do a better job of scoring more runs. Their run total so far this season. And again, if they if they get out of the ninth inning last night, they're three and two against you know good teams in all of, of those five games. But their run totals are two, two, one, two, and then last night four. 
Yeah. It's not like they're exactly lighting it up at the plate other than like Corbin Carroll and maybe Christian Walker. That's They just flashed that trade up on the screen. Uh, did you see that? It was the, the Red Sox-Dodgers trade from two years ago for Mookie Betts. Okay. It's got to be one of the worst trades in baseball. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Honestly, right now, he's so good. The cash considerations the Dodgers also got in that trade might actually be the second best player in that <laughs> trade. <laughs> yeah, he's just so good, though, honestly. Watching Mookie Betts play the game of baseball is so fun. And we all know about offensively how prolific he is. Yet, for me, it's defensively. When he gets into the outfield... He is so good as an outfielder, and his arm is second to none. Uh, time for the MLB standings. They are presented by Desert Wholesale Diamond. Desert Wholesale Diamond, honored to be a part of your big life moments for over 32 years. Everything's bunched up. Wolf, it's early. But I guess that's good that the Dodgers are 3-2. and two. I mean, the D-backs beat them twice. The Padres are 3-2, and two, the Giants are 2-2, two and two, and the D-backs and Rockies are both 2-3. and three. I know you want to stay ahead of the Rockies. It's one of the most important things no to you. No doubt. Winning Two last night. Tied with, up with that. Yeah. So you got an opportunity here in about 45 minutes to start to break that tie with the Rockies. Love to see that somehow, someway, the Diamondbacks to be able to win today and get get back to that 3-3 three and three mark right there. I wanted almost as much as I wanted Game 4 against the Dodgers. You really wanted Game I 4 I wanted that so badly because we all know, Basin audience, there's a huge difference between 1-3 and three and 2-2. Two and two. Well, these are the little moments, right? You look at this two-game series with the Padres and attention to detail over 162 games. You threw away your chance to beat them last night, okay? So instead of winning the game where you're facing Ryan Weathers, you now have to win the game where you're facing you Darvish. And that's fine. Yeah. If you go out there and beat you Darvish. If you go out there and beat you Darvish, then last night is forgotten. You move on. You're 3-3. Three and three. But just on paper, this is a much tougher game to win. Now you have Zach Gallon going too, so maybe it's maybe that neutralizes that. Yeah, I just, again, I, for me, I know baseball's not a sport where you're like, oh man, you gotta get off to a quick start. You have to. You have to. It's the only way you're gonna have a chance of making... No, you you don't have to in the game of baseball, especially when you're talking about the first five games. But with this team being as young as it is right now, I feel like there's a sense of urgency that you want to get off to a good start. You I don't think, want to. You don't want to start the season ten and twenty. No, you don't no. want to do that. I think specifically you got to get out of these first ten games five and five if there's any way possible. Look, if you're four and six, it doesn't bury you. But ideally, get out of it five and five and feeling good about your bullpen. And last night kind of flew in the face of all of that. So we'll see if they can bounce back today. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, what is the key to getting the most out of Kyler Murray? People are weighing in. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You've been listening to D-Backs on Deck. Brought to you by Sonic Drive-In. Drive into your nearest Sonic location for the Super Sonic Double Stack Cheeseburger. For a limited time only at Sonic. And by 72 Sold. 72 Sold. Get a higher price for your home. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Over to football. Wolf, you found this uh, 
this quote from, I would say, somebody who knows a thing or two about playing quarterback in the NFL, Jim Kelly. So I'm just going to fire it off. Talking about, not talking about the Cardinals, talking about Josh Allen and the situation uh, in Buffalo from just a couple days ago. Here's Jim Kelly. This will make it rough. Josh can't do everything by himself, and uh, I hope they find a way to get, a, you know, a star running back, but I always thought Singletary was pretty good. I just didn't think we used him enough. Um, but you know what? When you've got a guy as good as Josh Allen, you tend to probably get a little greedy and want to use him more than you probably should. But uh, Ken Dorsey's doing a great job, and Josh, I just hope that uh, we get that running game going to take some of the pressure off him. Boy, how about that right there with Jim Kelly? Yes, I could not agree anymore, J.K. It really is something that is happening in the National Football League. I've been talking about this for a while now, that pendulum swinging more back towards a traditional offense. One of the things about this new age offense, Basinonians, this dual threat offense, this dual threat quarterback, is it puts an awful lot of pressure on one human being offensively. And that is your quarterback to go out and do it all, basically. And this is something that I think J.K. is pointing to and talking about in in regard to that pendulum coming more back towards the middle where you're blending this new age offense with the old. You all know, if you've listened to me, I, I hate saying this every time I talk about it, but I've been talking about this for three years and this is exactly what's happening right now. You don't want Josh Allen to go out there. and Josh Allen's got to run the ball. He's got to throw the ball. He's got to run it. He's got to do it all by himself. You don't want that. You want him to be able to hand the ball off, attack the line of scrimmage, and then use the power of the play action to throw the ball down the field. He's got great wide receivers, and yet still... This new age offense puts so much pressure on a quarterback to go out and do the job. A dual threat guy like Josh Allen that you got J.K. coming out saying that's not the way to do it. Well, it's it's you know interesting too because a lot of times the knock on Josh Allen, if there has been one, is that he tries to do too much, and yet. You know, what you're saying about this new age offense, it's basically encouraging the quarterback to feel like he has to do everything. Because there really aren't a lot of things to look at with Josh Allen's play on the field over the last two years, let's say, where you're like, oh, yeah, you're not good at that. Oh, yeah, you struggled there. It it, it really just is you haven't won the Super Bowl and you try to do too much. Those are about the main knocks on Josh Allen, which is pretty good indicator that you've reached that stratosphere where all you really have left to do is win the whole thing, which is why you should give up a third-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, but that's neither here nor there. Um, And by the way, he is so good at running the ball. Josh Uh, Allen. Josh Allen. He doesn't really shy away from the hits. Kyler slides away, which is probably what you need to do. Josh Allen runs through them. It's one of the reasons why I say he's so good at running the ball. He runs the ball better than some running backs. Josh Allen. I'm more physically than some running backs. Josh Allen. Think about that. It's incredible. So why did this in particular stand out to you? Because you're obviously making a connection with the Cardinals here. Yeah, you know, for me, once again, this is exactly what JG was also talking about, uh, alleviating some pressure, taking some pressure off the shoulders of Kyler Murray. How do you do that, Basinonians? You know what you do? You hand the ball off. (laughs) 
you hand the ball off more. You don't go ahead and zone read it where you're going to let the defense dictate to you how much Kyler Murray has got to run the ball. You don't do that. You call the run in the huddle. Ron Wolfley reported. You break the huddle, run to the line of scrimmage, and you say, we're going to run the ball. This is what we're going to do. You put the onus on every guy that gets into a three-point stance, every offensive lineman. You put the onus on him saying, you got to go out and do your job right now because they're running right behind you. You run the ball and take the pressure off the quarterback with a strong, physical, disciplined rushing attack. Yeah, that's how you can help your quarterback a lot. And relieve him of a lot of the mental fatigue and stress that comes with playing in that new age, high-tech offense. Here's uh, Peter King when he was on with us. Remember Peter King wrote the story, what was that, like mid-February? Talking to Jonathan Gannon, and Gannon basically said right in there in that story, yeah, we're going to have two different offenses basically that we can go to with Kyler Murray. One of them involves him under center a lot. And a lot of what you've been saying now for a while, Wolf. Uh, so we talked to Peter King about that. This is what he had to say about um, you know how how the Cardinals have used Kyler and how they could use him now going forward. It was clear that you know that obviously Cliff Kingsbury and there certainly is going to be a lot of this anyway. Wants to move his quarterback and wants to get him out of the pocket and make him a big threat. Um, make his mobility a big threat. That's still going to happen. I just think that, you know, obviously last year, the highest percentage of a player's, uh, of a quarterback's, uh, of a quarterback in shotgun formation was Kyler Murray. And I just think he wants to get that out from wherever it was, 95 or, or whatever it was. I think he'd like to get that down if I'm going to guess, maybe down in the 70s, just so that a defense is going to have more to prepare for. <laughs> yeah, I would totally agree with everything that Peter King just said. Well, that was right after he talked to Jonathan Gannon, too. Really, probably, I don't think it was the first time he's ever talked to Jonathan Gannon, but the first time he had talked to him as the Cardinals head coach. So that's not just somebody throwing an opinion out there. He just talked to the head coach of the team. Yeah, and you know, once again, um, one of the best ways to actually improve Kyler Murray's game, I would say, is to get him on rollouts, bootlegs right now. And that's something as well we've talked about many, many times. I'm sorry, I just feel like I, I, I've been talking about it for so long that I have to apologize to anyone that is listening right now. But it just, it's what has to happen, in my opinion. And getting Kyler out on the edge, that's something you've got to do, whether it's to the strong side of the formation or bootleg to the weak side of the formation, which most teams call a waggle. Whatever it is, got to get them out on the edge and just, it's it's easy. What we're going to find easy pickings. here now is how much of this was... Cliff's reluctance to do that. Maybe he had a different offense and, and, and he just didn't think that was important. He kind of has said otherwise in his time here. Or we're going to find out if Kyler Murray is unwilling to do it. Or maybe Kyler Murray didn't see the merit in it. And now after this miserable season last year, he does see the merit. Or Jonathan Gannon can convince him to do it. But for it to be something, like you said, that you've been talking about for a while and other teams do it... And the Cardinals are just not doing it. Yeah, that's 
it's either going to change this year or whenever Kyler comes back this year. Or it's really going to raise a lot of questions. <laughs> like, yeah. what, are you trying? Are you trying to play a different sport than the other thirty-one teams because it didn't work last year? And also, too, Luke, I, I would say understand that it's a philosophy. It truly is. It's your philosophy is saying we don't want all the onus on Josh Allen. We don't want every decision to come down to Kyler Murray. Yes, a quarterback, Masonians. One of the reasons why the quarterback position is so important in the game of football is because he actually does something with the ball on every play. Yes, he makes decisions, but you don't want all of those decisions on him. Hand the ball off and give the responsibility to somebody else that is actually good at running the ball as well. You want that as an option. You need that mental break, if you will, for a quarterback. And it makes so much sense to me. And that's what J.K. is talking about in regard, of course, to Josh Allen and the way the Buffalo Bills are using him. You think of Josh Allen right now, when you, to me, he's the most dangerous dual-threat quarterback in the game. Well, Jim even Kelly, more than Lamar Jackson. Jim Kelly, obviously, Lamar can't even get on a team. Josh Allen can throw the ball with the best of them. Jim Kelly and he runs the ball better than any of them. Jim Kelly's saying that about a quarterback that just quarterbacked a team to a 13 and 3 record. Now, that has some power because it's Jim Kelly saying it. We're talking about a quarterback that was just on a team that won four games. So. Again, he's talking about the Bills. It seems a lot more evident to me that that needs to happen for the Cardinals, more so than Buffalo even. Buffalo, Buffalo's one or two plays away from being in the Super Bowl each mm-hmm. of the last two years. You know, yeah. Now, Jim Kelly's looking for, okay, well, you're not in the Super Bowl, so what can you do to get there? What's something else you can change? But for the Cardinals, it's like, if you don't change this, why would you believe you're suddenly going to start winning eight or nine games a year? No, you're right about that. And here's going to be the big challenge for Kyler Murray right here, base on You're going to put him under center. You're going to run the ball. You're going to run the bootleg and the waggle. You're going to do that. But you also need to be able to run a seven-step drop which is a straight drop back, play action pass. Hero, we're going to run to the mesh point. Look, it's James Conner. Here comes the tackle zone. Nope, you don't hand it off. And then you take three steps back from that point and set up in the pocket. That's going to be the ultimate test for Kyla Murray. Because a lot of times you'll get edge rushers coming up the field and you're going to have to step up in that pocket. And that's where Kyler Murray's career is going to be defined, I think, going forward. From that pocket and stepping up into that pocket and throwing the ball down the field. We'll see. Legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement. We want to hear from you. Text Al to 620-620 and submit a video that's thanking Al with a message. And We may even play it on the air. In fact, I've heard a couple on the air already. Just text Al to 620-620. When we come back, how different could the NBA look next season? Like, potentially radically different. Plus, are the Suns gelling the right time? We're going to ask our own Suns guru for Arizona sports, Kellen Olson. Next, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona sports, the local sports leader. I can see you out there, Kevin. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. <laughs> Arizona Sports. Our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. All right, Kellen Olsen. <laughs> I'm just 
everything going on right now. I'm I feel um, happy we get to talk a little basketball here. We'll yeah. explain at one what we're talking about. But um, Kellen Olson joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now to talk some Suns and also just general NBA because I have some NBA questions. Kellen, what's going on, man? Hey, it's going good. I might sneeze at any second. Do you guys have any tricks for that when you have to sneeze on the air? I don't know what's happening. I think you want to you want to try to inhale a lot of pepper. Doesn't that work? No, I have no idea. No, I'm just saying. I think it's gone. I think I'm good. Yeah, mind over matter. That's what you got to do, Keller. Wolf's advice. Yeah, I want it. I want it there. I want the battle. (laughs) Rub some dirt on it. Is Wolf's advice? That's beautiful. As usual. Uh, Yeah, allergies are great. They should just have a picture of an allergy in the weather report at this uh, this particular time. Kellen, I want to start big picture in the NBA. With something that, with this new CBA that I get that it's not completely like 100% done yet, but it sounds like it's going to pass. Um, one thing I, I always kind of laughed at the idea of that now looks like it might become a reality and the way they're doing it, I actually don't hate, is the in-season tournament. Where do you come out on that? I, I need to wait and see how it goes, to be honest, because the the motivation behind it is to have some something in the middle of the season that means something and has stakes. And the cash incentive, I believe that was reported was $500,000 a player. Yeah. So they, they hope that that type of incentive uh, will fuel the players to treat the games more seriously beyond just the fact that it'll be counted as a regular season game. I just need to wait and see how it goes, to be honest, because there's going to be like one or good, two good games in this tournament where everyone's going to suddenly go, see, this is why it was such a good idea. Look at this great (laughs) basketball game. And it's like, well, any night you can get a really competitive basketball game. So I kind of want to see what it looks like before uh, judging too much one way or the other. Yeah. I'm not sure what it's ultimately going to accomplish, but the part that I liked is that they are, they're not adding games. Like they're just taking regular season games and making it into the tournament. Other than I guess the two teams that are in the championship of it have to play one extra game, but we'll see. Um, I don't know. I, I, at first, I just thought it was a ridiculous idea, and now I could actually see them making it work. Yeah, there there was another part as well, Killer. Um, another part of the CBA is going to be a second luxury tax level. What do you know about this, Killer? Yeah, guys, this is actually a huge deal for the Sun specifically because basically what has happened in the last five years, the luxury tax has been around for 20-plus years now, and basically what happened is at the start of the luxury tax, teams – started to get into the luxury tax a bit too much, and they quickly learned how much those payments can really ramp up and escalate and just really hurt you uh, fiscally. So we saw luxury tax payments really calm down for about 10 to 15 years, but then a couple of owners with, uh, A, a whole lot of money, and B, a whole lot of money they were willing to spend to increase their chances, teams uh, increase their team's chance of winning were willing to spend all this money. We've seen the Clippers with Steve Ballmer and Joe Lacob with the Warriors, most notably, including the Brooklyn Nets as well, have these crazy luxury tax payments in the last couple of years like nothing we've never seen before. And, and apparently it was this big deal in the league because we've seen this second luxury tax line kind of line up that, I don't want to use the word punish, but it limits the teams that go into like those nuclear levels of spending above like an extra 40, 50, 60 million dollars above the, above the cap, above the payroll. And some of the limitations they're talking about is not being able to sign players on buyouts, not being able to execute trades when you're sending out more money. There's like these little things that slowly add up. And the main thing that I noticed is that like the Kevin Durant trade wouldn't would have happened now for like three different reasons because of these new issues. Now it's not a direct uh, response to the Kevin Durant trade, of course, but it's just really bad timing for the Suns guys because 
On the flip side of that, they're going to give a lot of incentives to the teams that are in the lower to middle levels of spending. And that's where we saw the Suns for like the entirety of their existence almost, right? And now we go to this stage with Ishbia where they're willing to spend money, where he's willing to go into those luxury tax thresholds. And now it might limit them going forward. The key thing to pay attention to is when these get incorporated. It sounded like from Adrian Wojnarowski's reporting that it's going to be slowly doled out over a matter of the following season. So it's not like these um, indictments or uh, that's the wrong kind of word, but these punishments, like I was saying, would come, limitations would come next season, but they're going to come in the next couple of seasons and it comes to the time where the Suns are going to spend a lot of money because uh, they're trying to win and they have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, four guys who make a whole lot of money. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm glad you laid that out the way you did, Kellen, because that, that's how it initially read was like, this isn't the, the Suns are willing to spend all this money and now the league is essentially saying, hey, you, we don't want you to do that. One more on the CBA because I do think load management is, is obviously an issue for the league and, and they are they're trying, I guess. They're trying to make uh, eligibility for postseason awards like the All-NBA team, which obviously means money for the players that make that uh, those teams, and MVP. They're trying to make that mandatory 65-game cutoff. Now, they said right in there there's a bunch of other caveats where they may be able to go under, but do you think that does anything as far as load management? And if not, is there anything they can do? I don't know about myself, but it seems like the league sure thinks this will solve some things, right? They think that with this incentive, players are not going to feel as motivated to sit. But this speaks on what I believe is a giant misconception around the sport in general right now and the load management era is that this is the players making this decision. Like, sure, sometimes it is the players, but most of the time, guys, it's the teams. Yep. The teams are holding out their guys. They have all of this super incredible and valuable next level scientific research analytics all this stuff this medical information that indicates to them the the wear down effect that these guys go through and how if he sits for this game and this game and this game these three games in march that he's going to increase his whatever by 14 percent like they have all of these crazy numbers that they work through that tell them that there is a added benefit with all of the sports science stuff that has been advanced in the last 10 years or so so it sounds like with this, they, they believe that the players will want to play more and hit that threshold. But at the same time, uh, a, good val- a good valuable example someone brought up recently is last year, Drew Holiday played for four seconds in the last game of the season. He went over foul one and checked out and was done for the day because he wanted to hit his bonus for a game threshold and he made $300,000 or whatever. So we could see that. We could just see guys with two games left in the year at 63 games just come in for five seconds. So there's this whole mess of things that can come with it. But if hey, if it gets the stars to play more, sign me up because I did not see Shea Gillis Alexander play basketball live this person uh, live in person this year and that made me frustrated. And I could not be looking at Nikola Jokic in person yet as well. So that there are parts for me as a basketball fan and people attending I'm sure that'll be excited by this. So Killer, how do you expect the Phoenix Suns to approach these last four games? I'm going to echo a lot of what Kevin Durant said today, which is just about them building habits and trying to continue to tighten up really little things. And the thing that Kevin said today that I thought was really poignant is just like basketball simple, like stop fouling, grab rebounds, box out. Like there's a lot of really simple stuff that you can do to improve yourself as a team. And specifically for them in the last couple of games, offensive rebounding has been an issue. And then fouling has been more of an issue all season. But that's something that they can correct over these next four games. Tonight's a weird one because the Suns are favored by 19 points. And I think that the numbers that I was looking at earlier today, it's like one of the 25 or 30 times in the last 20 years that a team has been favored by that much in a game. So 
it, it should be pretty out of hand tonight, but hopefully they can find some useful reps within that. I think that the fact that Durant's just out there playing, and more importantly, he's getting time on that ankle and getting time on his minutes here to just make himself get to the point where he's going to be ready for the playoff load because that's the interesting thing about the timing of his injury is that you want to get him off a minutes restriction, sure, but we're going to be looking at him playing 40-plus minutes, not in every game this postseason, but certainly the majority of them when we get to games 5, 6, and 7. like He's going to be in the low to mid 40s, so... He's got to get that going, and that's something that he's going to be able to do here in these last four games. Yeah, talking to Kellen Olsen, uh, you know, after the game tonight, they potentially, but before they hit the floor on Thursday, could have the four seed locked up. It's not just the back-to-back on Thursday, Friday, Kellen. It's the fact that they play three games in four nights to end the regular season. Now, they get basically a week off after that before their playoffs start, but do you have any indication on how they may handle either minutes or you know games for guys like Katie and Booker and Paul there? I don't, but I will say it's a sneaky three games in four days because that Sunday game's at 12.30. That's a matinee game as well. So it's almost, you can look at it like three games and three and a half days almost. So you, I can't possibly imagine that they're going to play everyone for all three of those games just with the timing of the schedule specifically, looking at that and having that in mind. And, and the good news is, guys, they had such a great weekend from a tiebreaker scenario and from a standing scenario where if they win tonight, they should just be able to do whatever they want with these last three games, and they should just be set at the four seed and, and moving from there and just seeing who they're going to play uh, in the first round. Does it break your heart that the Mavericks are 3-10 and 10 in their last 13? <laughs> uh, a, a little bit, Wolf, because I like to see the best players on the biggest stage. Yeah. It's going to be a bummer that Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving might not even be in the plan. I bet you didn't expect that answer, but I did I'm seeing to see the best basketball. Yeah. I want to see the best basketball. And if you're going to tell me that it's better for the sport and, and for the Western Conference and just like us as basketball fans to not watch Luka and Kyrie on that kind of stage, I would disagree with you. See, I, well, you know what? I will it, disagree man. with you because I can't stand the way he approaches competing. I, don't, I can't stand it, trying to trick everybody, trying to flop I, his way. I, I can't stand that approach. I don't. I don't like I, it. I don't enjoy it. You just, called, you just got called for a blocking foul, Wolf. I apologize. Sorry That's about insane. that. Well, now you get to watch Josh Giddy and Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams on Oklahoma City. Kellen, great stuff, man. Thank you for the time, as always. Yep, thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. That's Kellen Olson joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. As uh, look, he's the right guy, obviously, to talk to when you're talking CBA stuff. But this is this year. It's not just um, oh yeah, we're going to move some money around and you know finances and things that don't affect you. If they really are going to try and curb the um, the load management and have an in season tournament and what he was saying about how the the money stuff might directly impact the Suns. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, accusations have been made against the Arizona Cardinals. We'll give you the latest. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.